And here we go. I'll do this as I always do it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Uh, I am Brian, the UK Bitcoin Master. This is your alternative to the rubbish BBC that uh, only spews out their own narrative, the bullish Bitcoin channel. Welcome, everyone. Don't forget to smash the like button. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new to, to the channel. Don't forget to hit the bell button and click all and you'll be notified when I go live. And I go live every Monday. And every Thursday at 6 p.m. UK time. So come and join us and you'll always get bullish Bitcoin conversation here. OK, uh, I want to get into this conversation. So without further ado, if you are new, read the disclaimer down here. No financial advice, no charts, no silly price predictions. Bitcoin's going to do what it's going to do, when it's going to do it. And you or I won't influence that. Secondly, over 530 videos, I believe now, at ukbitcoinmaster.com. Check them all out. There's loads over there. Bitcoininterviews.com. You're going to find over 80 interviews, including this one once we finished, where you can hone it down to just the interviews with what I believe to be some of the greatest thought leaders in Bitcoin today. You're talking of people like Jeff Booth, Preston Pish, uh, Natalie Brunel, James Lavish, uh, Brian DeMint, once we finished. I've had the awesome Rocky Palumbo on the show in the early days. Uh, Adam Meister, a.k.a. Bitcoin Meister. There are so many over there. Larry Lepard, they, they just keep coming out. Check them out at bitcoininterviews.com. And lastly, and this shouldn't have been up when I got started, uh, check me out on Nostra. If you're not on Nostra, you need to get on Nostra, people. Really important. The alternative to Twitter, uh, free speech. Yes, loving it. Bit clunky at the moment, but certainly getting used to it. And uh, I wanted to get my presence known before the thing started getting big. Get in and get on early. So there you go. Today is the 20th of April, uh, timestamp 2023. And as always, strong Bitcoin hand. Buy it, hold it for life. Uh, and then keep stacking sats. Really, really important. So as I always do, let's quickly see who we've got in the chat and give some people a bit of a shout out. Uh, Bitcoin to the moon down in Australia. Hopefully now you are sleeping. And if you're not, you should be. Uh, John G is in the house. Chaz Oid's with us. Lance Hoddle, Stephen Redding's in the house. Elaine, Mrs. UK, my lovely wife, as always, an awesome support. Uh, who else have we got? Rocky Palumbo's with us. Good to see you, Rocky. Michael Weber, Thursday again, so soon. The week is sizing by. You know, absolutely. Barefoot Barry. Uh, Barry, I, I responded to your email, so hopefully you got that, Barry. Uh, Johnny Midas is in the house. Carl Sullivan. Uh, who else have we got? Casso's with us. Welcome, everybody. And if you want to shout out people, all you need to do is type in the chat UK Bitcoin Master and then a message and it will light up for me on my big screen behind the camera in orange. And I'll gladly either give you a shout out or if maybe you've got a question for Brian, then do that as well. And hopefully I will see that. So let's get rid of all of that. One more thing. Very important. This channel is all about not your keys, not your coins. Very important you learn why, Matthew Underhill, welcome. You should never leave coins on an exchange. If you don't know why and you're new, just go back and see all the negative news around the banks collapsing and all these Ponzi scheme crypto companies with FTX and all the others going under in 2022. Check them all out 
and you'll understand why we say not your keys, not your coins. Very, very briefly, let's get over to the desktop, see what's going on. Okay, for anybody freaking out that the price has dropped a bit, take a look at that chart since the inception of Bitcoin. You will see that we have most definitely, in my opinion, bottomed and we are certainly starting to move up. So I was on Twitter today and somebody posted, and this is a prominent Bitcoiner, and they posted, you know, a, a thumbnail and the thumbnail said, is Bitcoin in trouble? I mean, for goodness sake, people, what is the matter with people? Zoom out. And if you do zoom out and you look at this as a log chart, you will see that Bitcoin since its inception has been in a permanent bull market. Let me get that out of the way. If you want to check me out on social media, this is my Linktree social media. It's in the show notes. Everything, all my Nostra platforms or where you can find me on Nostra, uh, supporting the channel. Uh, if you want a consultation, mind you, I hate doing them. And after the conversation I've recently had with Barefoot Barry from New Zealand, which I'll be covering on Monday's show. So don't miss Monday's show about somebody that's uh, lost their crypto. Then um, I don't really want to do these consultations. But some people do want to reach out and uh, ask me to help them out. But there you go. Let me get rid of that. If you want to support the show, and I don't run this show for any type of financial gain. There you go. There's three sats address if you want to drop a few sats. If you want to keep your sats and maybe pay me in crappy fiat, you can buy me a cup of coffee. But again, you don't need to do any of that stuff. Okay, that is it, people. It is time to bring in my guest. Before I do, let me read this about my guest, if I may. His name is Brian DeMint. I met him through the awesome Rocky Palumbo uh, through the Orange Pill app, which is superb. So if you're not on the Orange Pill app, get on the Orange Pill app. Uh, Brian has been a successful entrepreneur since the age of 22. And in 2013, he began to study Bitcoin from a skeptical standpoint as he wanted to disprove the claims about Bitcoin. So this would be a good conversation. Through that study, he became intrigued by its fundamental tenets. And after spending years in the Bitcoin community, Brian became the chief marketing officer for a small blockchain team called, oh, Athenium, I think that is. He'll probably tell me I butchered it in a minute. That focused on decentralizing educational content in order to make it accessible uh, to everyone. Through his uh, three years on that team, he became more convinced of the true value of Bitcoin and decided to refocus his efforts on Bitcoin education. So he resigned from his executive position in late 21 uh, in order to focus on writing his first book, Bitcoin Evangelism, which wasn't on my radar. It's now on my radar. Uh, I've just finished actually reading Jason A. Williams' book, uh, Bitcoin Money You Can't Bleep With. Um, I have also want to get through, um, oh, crikey, the one about the family that from 2029 to 2047. There you go. I'm an old boomer. It's gone. What is it? Come on, come on, come on. Um, the mandibles. I think it's the mandibles. I believe it's the mandibles. And then I'm going to get to Bitcoin evangelism and read that too. Uh, Bitcoin evangelism is a resource for individuals that are Bitcoin curious and for those that love Bitcoin but have a difficult time articulating what makes it so special to their friends and family. And Brian believes that Bitcoin will fundamentally transform society for the better and he is thrilled to be part of that movement. And lastly, and I didn't know this until pre-show, Brian also made me aware that he is also the chief marketing officer 
at Orange Pill App. So you've got to get on Orange Pill app, people. Uh, Brian, welcome to my show. It is awesome to have you as my guest today. It's an honor, Brian. I'm I'm really excited to be here and to talk to you. And yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad I, I threw out that last bit of information because yeah, that's that's I mean, besides doing the the book tour and promoting the book, Orange Pill app has been you know the focus of a lot of my time and energy, and it's a uh, it's a very mission driven thing. So I I love talking about Orange Pill app. I think that it's a, it's a critical part for this uh, this next phase of Bitcoin to have a social layer and all that stuff. But we can talk about that no. later. <laughs> Anyways, Couldn't thanks for having more. me on the Couldn't, show. Couldn't agree more. Well, listen, you're welcome. Just uh, just as a, as a precursor, um, the idea of my shows is really to um, build a portfolio of different backgrounds that come into Bitcoin. For example, I was over 20 years as a, as a truck driver in the UK, so I certainly wasn't financial. Um, and I came across Bitcoin through a, a phone call from a friend when my wife and I were living down in the sun, actually, just off of the tip of Africa. And um, it's completely transformed my life over the last six years uh, next month. But, you know, people come for different reasons from different backgrounds. Obviously, I've had a lot of people that have been my guests on the show that are from a financial background. So let's hear for the audience a little bit about your background, Brian, and maybe your lead into how you discovered Bitcoin. I know I got in in 2017, but we were talking off air and you've been in way longer than me, I believe. So the floor is yours. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I've just been in one bull and bear cycle longer than you have. So not 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 very much longer at all. Um, but uh, yeah, I got I started I first heard about Bitcoin in 2012 and it was it was actually a really funny way. I was I, was, I never watch uh, college football, but it was a Saturday morning. For some reason, the TV was on with college football and in the background. So before the game in the pregame, they have all the announcers line up and the announcers are saying, oh, what is Smith going to do today? What is Jackson going to do? And they're doing yep. the pregame breakdown yep. and they had all the, the college students in the background. And there was a kid with a sign that said, hey, mom, send Bitcoin. And it had a QR code on it. And that was the first time I ever heard of Bitcoin. <laughs> I was, I, and I remember thinking it was just very, a very, very passive thing. I thought, oh, that Bitcoin, never heard of that. And so a few days later, I decided to Google and I said, what, you know, what was that whole Bitcoin thing about? And I said, Bitcoin sign on college game day, because this was on ESPN. And sure enough, the Bitcoin talk forums were lighting up. I mean, this was this was in the days where Bitcoin was getting no press. <laughs> Nobody was talking about Bitcoin. Yeah. So all the Bitcoiners were saying things like, can you believe it? We're on ESPN. We've never gotten so much <laughs> press before. It's like you guys weren't featured on ESPN. It was a, a dorky kid in the background with a sign. Um, anyways, that kid, and I hope that he held his Bitcoin. It'd be hard for him to, to have done so. But apparently somebody did a, a a news article on him and followed up and asked how much Bitcoin he received because all these Bitcoiners were excited. Oh my gosh, Bitcoin's on ESPN. So people were scanning the QR code and sending him Bitcoin. And he got like $24,000 worth of Bitcoin sent to him from people all over the world. And this was 2012. So Jeez. he held on to that Bitcoin. It was, <clears throat> I don't know how many Bitcoins that was. I think Bitcoin, it might've, that might've been during a peak of Bitcoin. That might've been, I think Bitcoin was like at maybe a thousand. Um, that was like an early, Still 24 early, coins. early peak. <laughs> he still would have had, so even worst case scenario, he would have had 24 coins, let alone, I don't know exactly what time it was. So it might've been, it might've been $30 <laughs> for all I know. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, that kid, I hope that, I mean, either way, it probably changed his life, but I, I, I yeah, he, he set 
the first like major uh, non-Bitcoin forum kind of thing, which is it's just funny. That's kind of how Bitcoin is, right? We have the Bitcoin pizza story. We have the Bitcoin ESPN story. We have all these things that are just Bitcoin is not an organization. So in order for it to grow, it's like a it's like an amoeba that's just like clawing for life. And uh, anyway, so that, that's kind of how it got it. The first time I ever heard of it, that that's how I, I heard of Bitcoin. Um, so I actually that kind of proved to me that it is this dorky college kid thing that needs to just be disregarded. Yep. I had friends the following year um, that they were smart entrepreneurs, they were smart financial guys, they were wise people that I, I looked up to, and it was just a couple of friends. And so when they were buying Bitcoin, I remember thinking, like, I really respect you guys. I wish you wouldn't do something so foolish. And so I started studying Bitcoin in order to disprove them because I thought I was so smart. I thought I, I came up with these these rebuttals all on my own. Uh, Bitcoin's a Ponzi scheme. Bitcoin's a scam. Uh, there's no way if it's digital that it can actually have a finite supply. All these things that I thought were original arguments from myself. Uh, you know, the, every skeptic had those exact same arguments. There was yep. nothing original about what I was thinking. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, I genuinely studied these things. I talked to my friends and, and they didn't actually have a lot of the answers. Like if I said Bitcoin was a Ponzi scheme, they because this was so early, people hadn't yep. really well studied yep. it all that well. Yep. They didn't have very good rebuttals. So in the process of studying that, um, I think it illuminated how brilliant Bitcoin was. I specifically remember when the orange pill light bulb moment went off for me, I was listening to Andreas Antonopoulos talk and he said that really clicked for me. He said, in the history of computer science, we've never had a way to make digital things scarce because this point if it's digital it can't be scarce and he said that actually the invention the advent of the blockchain and bitcoin's consensus protocol <clears throat> solves the byzantine generals problem i'd never heard of the byzantine generals problem but the double spend problem and by doing that it actually made finite or uh it made uh, digital things capable of being finite. And then he went on to express why that's so important. He goes, look at the music industry. What happened to the music industry when music went from CDs and records and tapes to MP3 files? It, it fundamentally changed the music industry because there was no way to make these digital files for music scarce record companies had to scramble because now all of a sudden LimeWire and Napster and all these file sharing uh, websites came on and you could share music for free. There wasn't a way to cap these digital things. And yep. so humanity could never have a digital money until we found a way to make digital things scarce. And that's why Bitcoin was such a fundamental thing. 2009 will look, be looked back on as a kind of a BC AD type of moment I think uh, so. before, before money was digital and after money was digital because certainly we had digital ledgers before and you know banks had internal digital ledgers but a way to make those digital things scarce where one person or even a hundred people or even a thousand people can't decide to make more of it that is fundamentally uh, transformative yep. for human society so did, did you have a was there a light bulb moment brian or was it just you saw enough to think I need to research this thing. I mean, for me, I said this off air, it was light bulb. It was like, I don't know what it was. I just, I, I, I can't even quantify it now. It was one of those, I just feel it. I just know. I, I don't know how I knew. And I could have been so wrong. I can, and like, we were talking off air. I could have lost all of my family's 
you know, um, wealth, what we had at the time, but it could have all gone. I don't know what it was. I just felt it. It was, I was, it was really, really strong. And I knew that if I didn't get as much as I could today, by tomorrow, it's going to be half a million. I mean, you understand what I mean? None of us yeah. really understood what it was going to do. But I, I was, I was, I was scrabbling around in 2017 trying to get some money to get another Bitcoin and another Bitcoin because I was convinced that the thing was going to be over 100 grand by the end of the year. Well, mm. that's just crazy thinking. The point is, it was instant for me. I just felt it after talking to my friend on the phone. What about you? Was, a, was a, Being an entrepreneur, was it more investigation before you dipped your toe in? Did you go in hard? What was it like for you? And don't share what you don't want to, by the way. No, I, I'm a pretty open book. Um, at the time, I, I we we were pretty poor. Like we had just a, f- a couple years before, <clears throat> my wife and I had invested all of our money to start a company. And so, yep. <clears throat> by the grace of God, the company's still around today, and it's doing well, and it provides a, you know a family for you know a, for our family and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad we made that investment. That was also a, a prudent and wise investment to put our money there. But yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of Bitcoin or money for Bitcoin. I spent what I could. I bought a couple Bitcoin at the time. <clears throat> I yeah. had $500 and I could, thankfully, Bitcoin's price was at 250. So I was able to buy two coins right off the bat. $500 was a really big investment for me at the time. And because uh, we just didn't have extra cash laying around. And uh, I wish somebody would have presented the idea of dollar cost averaging. I would have definitely bought that $500, but then I would have bought $10 a month from yep. there on out. I just yep. only thought of it in my mind as I need $500 chunks. I don't have $500 right now to spend. <clears throat> so anyways, like we'll just, we'll keep the two coins. And it was a couple of years later when we started buying more. I think I started buying more by 2015, 2016. <clears throat> but um, so I was able to, we were able to buy more and accrue more, but it wasn't, sorry. That's all right. <clears throat> been doing a lot of talking my voice is done um yeah but uh yeah so we were able to start doing that i think we started dollar cost averaging by the end of 2016 so we were able to implement that but there was four years or three years that passed where we weren't doing that and it would have been a prime opportunity so that was one of the things in early bitcoin education you didn't hear a lot of that was this kind of like prudent and wise sound financial advice of you know pick a pick a financial plan that works for you and then keep stacking every month. Stack yeah. sats was yeah. not a thing at all. We didn't talk about stacking sats because you could still stack a whole Bitcoin at the time. And so it wasn't it wasn't necessary probably to pitch that to people. But the light bulb moment for me was that Andreas Antonopoulos scarcity point about, yeah. but I'd heard that point. That's the weird thing. I think it's like marketing, right? You need to see an ad seven times before you actually go in and you buy the thing, you buy the the pants or the the shoes or the hamburger or whatever it is. You need to see something seven times. And I think that I had heard that argument some in some form or fashion about scarcity, but it wasn't until Andreas Antonopoulos articulated it in a certain way and then it clicked. And at that point, I had also, maybe it was around that time or maybe a little bit later that I watched, um, the uh, the hidden secrets of money by Mike Maloney. If nobody's watched that documentary superb. on YouTube, superb, superb documentary. He gets a little bit into some altcoins at that, like <laughs> towards the end. But he but he does talk about Bitcoin. And I think as of today, I think he'd probably be more pro Bitcoin because this was a few years ago that he that he wrote that or that he made that documentary. About a decade, but wasn't the, it? I believe it's about a decade it, ago. It, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and the first seven episodes are fantastic. If anybody. It wants to just drop right in and, and be sold on the whole series, go to episode seven, Mike Maloney, Hidden Secrets of Money, episode seven, and you will swear that he's doing a 
uh, a news report post 2020 about all the the helicopter money we had but he did this years and years before covid and he was essentially he wasn't predicting covid and, and and money printing and all that kind of stuff but it it lines up perfectly so when you understand how fiat currencies rise fall and die um and then you pair that with scarcity it gets you to the point like you said brian where you're just you're all in there's there's no other alternative every fiat currency has a life expectancy. Yep. None of them make it out alive. The only money that's ever stood the test of time was was gold. And again, that's just super, I'm, I'm not anti-gold, but gold is highly confiscatable. 6103, the governments have have done these things, or what is it? I didn't say that right. It's uh, 6102. <laughs> it was 6102. Yeah, I've heard is, that 610 yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 6102 was the government order to confiscate everybody's gold back in the 1930s. Like the government can't, but even then, even with those things, gold has stood the test of time because it's not a fiat currency. Yep. Name a fiat currency from the 1500s that exists today. Name a fiat currency from from the 1700s that exist today they don't exist anymore and somebody might say oh the us dollar has been around since the the 17 or 1800s it hasn't it, it's it's the same name as it used to be but it is fundamentally different we don't even have the same dollar that we had in 1970 the, the dollar today is a completely different fiat currency than it was in 1970 and so we've had five or six different iterations of the us dollar um yep. no fiat currency survived so when you understand that you you say that we the only the only answer to this is a money that is outside of fiatism <laughs> is outside of government decree and so yes at that point it was probably 2016 even though i've been buying some bitcoin before 2016 around the time you were were doing it was was where i was sold out i need to get as much of this uh, you know on my hands as possible and i every last dollar that i could afford over you know paying my mortgage and all that kind of stuff went to accruing bitcoin yeah. Well, it's actually 2017, but for me, it was, I think it was, um, 2,050, 2,050, oh, $2,050 a coin at the time. But of course I came in and knowing nothing really excited. And then all of a sudden, like you rightly point out, you've got Andreas Antonopoulos and not much else out there. Uh, thankfully I, I found a crazy Bitcoiner called Bitcoin Meister. Who's got I don't know, I don't know, 3,000 videos out there from a guy from Baltimore. And he was just literally screaming from the rooftops, why Bitcoin, why Bitcoin? You know, it's a new counterculture. One Bitcoin's always going to be one Bitcoin. And I started following him. And of course, he did a show every single day. So I was on his show seven days a week for like four years. So I have to pay homage to him as the person that helped me to build the strong hand, don't sell it, you know, don't try and sell out high and then buy back in low because you'll get wrecked and all that sort of stuff. But you had the block size wars going on and, you know, I was thinking, then, you know, of course, later in the year, you then had B Trash and BSV coming in and I'm getting hit with all of this stuff yeah. and I'm only just in Bitcoin. So how the hell... I built such a strong Bitcoin hand so quickly that it's totally unshakable. I have no clue, Brian. I just don't know. It has to be in my makeup. I don't know how the there hell it happened. <laughs> but I've been like that for six years. We've been DCAing ever since we put everything we had in. And we, we keep DCAing. And the hand is strong. And I just get... I said this earlier before I brought you on onto the, the show. You know, some so a prominent Bitcoiner. You know, one of their one of their um their thumbnails was is Bitcoin in trouble? I know it's clickbait, but it's like yeah. 
when the masses are seeing that, just because we've had a you know a couple of percentage drop price, I, ugh, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Okay, so so you're in Bitcoin, you're DCAing. What what was it? What, what point did you get to where you thought I've got to give up what I'm doing and I've got to write a book? I mean, crikey, I couldn't do something like that. Where did that come from and why? Yeah. So the, and you actually, you got the, the, the name of the project, correct. You said Athenium and that was, that was the name of the project when you were doing the intro. So well done. Um, the Brits, the Brits are just better readers than us Americans. We everything. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I worked on that project kind of through the, the, the bull run of that 2017 bull run was where I, that, that was kind of what started my altcoin phase, if you want to call it that. Um, the ICO boom and all that kind of stuff. I, I was Bitcoin only for the first few years. Um, I remember thinking, like, I remember when XRP came out. I remember when Ethereum came out. I remember thinking that those, that you know, I, I, I don't care about those. Those don't have the network effect of Bitcoin. That was one yep. of the things that I was yep. really bullish on was the network effect. Bitcoin's the first, the first mover. It has network effect and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I didn't understand the true how how truly significant the decentralization of bitcoin was until after my altcoin phase um but that what illuminated part of that was the you know a lot of people say that every altcoin project are scams and, and rug pulls and stuff and i would say that not every i don't think any altcoin project is worthy of your investment but i would also say being on the team of an altcoin project we actually had a good group of guys they yeah. uh, as far as good motives they didn't um they, they weren't they weren't there to just enrich themselves and and pump the price and then sell like they genuinely wanted to fix this problem they thought that blockchain could fix the problem and you know yada 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 unfortunately it was just that we were learning this stuff in real time and so it became clear to me that the the approach that we always took was we said um blockchains need to start off centralized but if the team is serious enough about the decentralization then we can kind of force the decentralization over time and i guess that's true to some degree right bitcoin did start out highly centralized satoshi mined the first block and there was only a handful of people mining the early blocks but but the proof of work actually is a mechanism that's necessary for true decentralization we thought we could achieve that we had a proof of stake uh, uh asset and so we thought that we could do that same thing with proof of stake but then when we what we noticed was 90 plus percent of our um of our validators were on amazon web services i mean if, if amazon and it's this is true it's i think it's like 70 percent for ethereum today so yeah if amazon web services wanted to turn off our proof of stake network they could do that they we, we were unwilling or unknowingly centralizing a lot of our power with a company like amazon and so that was an eye-opening moment but I, i'll tell you what the real eye-opening moment when i realized how easy uh the scams and the rug pulls are in this industry okay so our coin was listed on a bunch of different exchange uh a bunch of different exchanges and yeah. so there was one random exchange i went on one night and i was looking and i was like oh there's only a hundred or two hundred dollars worth of our coin on the exchange i wonder what happens and i was doing this for my own personal notification i wonder what happens if i i soak up all the liquidity liquidity i buy these two hundred dollars worth of tokens and then what if I sell the next one to myself at a raised price? So I bought I bought all 200 coins for two cents a piece. So our coin price was two cents a piece. I sold because on that site you can you can sell it and buy it yourself. I mean these exchanges are just garbage. There's no they couldn't even yeah the fact that somebody can sell and buy it themselves is is seems like a problem, right? 
Um, they don't even have to log into a different account. They could just buy it from the same account they, they sold it for. Wow. So talking about artificial <laughs> manipulation of price, that was a pretty eye-opening <laughs> moment. But anyways, so I, I bought all the tokens for two cents a piece. Then I sold the next one to myself for a dollar. So I literally, I literally, what, a, what is that, 50X the price in one sell just to myself. And I was curious, I'm like, okay, yes, of course that's gonna make the price go up on this exchange, but what does that do to coin market cap? What does that do to coin gecko? All the sites that aggregate information about, about coin market cap or yeah. capitalization and all that kind of stuff, what does it do? Sure enough, five minutes later, I check all those sites. Our coin went from number like 1600 in the world to number 400 in the world because oh it said the market Lord. capitalization, it said our market capitalization went up like $20 million. Do you know how it went up $20 million? Because I sold one coin to myself for a dollar. Like that's that's not how this stuff should work. I mean, that's, that's not a functioning, healthy market. And so what I did was I, I sold it back to myself for two cents. I created the equilibrium to where it was before. And I said, I think this is the end of the road for me in the altcoin space. This is This is a casino. This is, people aren't adhering to the tenets of Bitcoin. The reason why I think Bitcoin is important, and I was stacking Bitcoin that entire time. I never exited my Bitcoin position. I was just adding altcoin dabbling and, and, and thinking that this is maybe a new iteration or there would be multiple protocols that would solve all of the world's problems. And sure enough, it turns out that um, these other protocols, whether you have good intentions or not, can be very, very dangerous. Um, so if we were unethical, we could have certainly manipulated that, right? We, I could have gone out the next day as a marketing guy. I mean, marketing guys are the number one people you should be scared of when it comes to these altcoin projects yeah, and, and, and ICOs and all that stuff. We'd pump the price and then you'd sell it and we'd, you know, go, you know, live a happy life on an island somewhere because we stole all your money. So that was really the power that we had in that moment. It was too much. It was, it was really scary. And I got into Bitcoin for the decentralized revolution, for fair and balanced uh, rules-based monetary system. And this was like, I, I thought the Fed was a problem. This was like having 20,000 Feds at any given moment. Yeah. It was way yeah. worse than a single Fed where we know, okay, those people are the problem. It was, there's a, there's a Fed around every corner on every dark corner of the internet, and that is severely unhealthy. And so that was that was a really significant moment for me to say, I need to focus on Bitcoin and help people understand why this is the protocol to rule them all. And I need to help people understand why Bitcoin's decentralized, why that matters, why having these, these extra little functions <clears throat> like, oh, we're faster or we're more, we're more scalable or we can do smart contracts. All those things are just white noise. It's just distraction from what's really important when it comes to sound money. Um, not that those other things can't be built in multiple layers on Bitcoin. I actually think that's going to happen and you're kind of seeing that happen with ordinals and all that kind of stuff. I think any cool functionality that gets built on Ethereum in, on a centralized blockchain like Ethereum will inevitably, if it works, it'll the, the market will gravitate it towards Bitcoin because people will want that on a decentralized blockchain. So yeah. I think that Bitcoin will have the best of both worlds, but we need to focus on sound money because that's what's going to fix the world right now the problem with the world is a fiat standard of big government and and centralized money and all this kind of stuff so let's fix that problem first because i think we're actually going to find a lot of the other problems getting solved we don't need a blockchain to patch holes in society everywhere um but anyways that's that's my two satoshis so, on that so are you saying that um you left that project and you then decided to focus on bitcoin education by writing a book or you mm. sort of change your thought processes and then thought it might be worth writing a book. How, how did that pan out? 
Yeah. So I, I, I wanted, I, I found a lot of my friends had gone the same path as me. We started in Bitcoin, Bitcoin only. We were resistant to altcoins. Then we heard enough, maybe hype. Maybe it was because we saw enough other people get rich. I don't know what, whatever it was. You saw an ICO and somebody made a thousand, a thousand X on it. And so I, there was all sorts of factors that were. That, that's really people. interesting, Brian. Let me just interject for a moment before you carry on, because the the thread that I've heard for the last six years is everybody goes down the crap coin route and then comes to Bitcoin. So yeah. what you're saying is there is an argument. There's a group that have got Bitcoin then gone down the crap coin route and then realized it's Bitcoin only. And your friends with that is, is yeah. that, wow, that's a different and standpoint. And I think that that's because at the time, like in 2013, 2014, 2015, Bitcoin was kind of this new and cool thing. But after yep. it had been around for a few years and people saw all the appreciation in the value of Bitcoin, they said, oh, Bitcoin's at two thousand dollars. We that's so that's so expensive. Where there's not going to be any more upside. We need yeah. to create our own blockchain to get some more upside. Right. That yeah. was yeah. that was what was coming out. And I think that people that came in in my time, Bitcoin was the thing you started with, and then yeah. altcoin phase, and then. So I wanted to create a resource. I think that's what Bitcoin evangelism is. I think it speaks to to two types of people. And you think about Christian evangelism, it's like the most successful enterprise in the history of the world, whether you believe in Christianity or not, I, I do, but you don't have to, it's, it's on every corner of the world. And so the evangelism principles of Christianity are, are I think, worth I always say he only had 12 sales reps and look what he created around the world. <laughs> 12 sales reps. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. If you could start with a 12 sales reps, I would have to use that. And, and and spread something around the world. You did something. You your your tactics were pretty impressive. And there's two types of people that you evangelize to in Christianity. There's the the non-believer, the atheist, or maybe the agnostic. And then there's the the person that believes in a different deity than you do, a pagan, right? A, a an, an alt godder. <laughs> and so uh, that's what we have in Bitcoin. We have the no coiner. We have the skeptic, the unbeliever, somebody that's not touching any kind of digital asset. And then yeah. we have the altcoin pagans, if you will. It sounds so harsh, but you know what? There's there's those two types of people. <clears throat> so our evangelism, it doesn't make sense for me to evangelize as I would to the no coiner when I'm talking to an alt coiner, right? There's different arguments for different people. Yeah. Um, the alt coiner is sold on this technology to some degree, but they need to understand certain tenants of Bitcoin while the no coiner needs to understand other tenants of Bitcoin. And hopefully they are. So the book is meant to be a, a walkthrough kind of like my journey of here's why Bitcoin works. Now let's dabble in the middle of the book. You actually, I, I, I talk a lot about altcoins. Um, I, I want people to understand altcoins because I don't want there to be temptation of, oh, we never heard about this before. I don't want to be like the teenager that was raised in a conservative household. And then he gets to college and he's like, the world is a big place. Yeah. There's so many yeah. pleasures and there's so many things. I want to be like the parent that informed the child about, hey, there's these things out there. Um, you want to keep an eye out for them. Uh, you, you could go down a dark path. And that's so I get into altcoins and I talk a lot about, you know, the, the positives of them, like what this is the interesting aspect of them. But at the same time, you need to understand the inherent flaws and the weaknesses of those things, because that was part of my journey. I was intrigued by those things. But then at the end of the road, I, all roads led back to Bitcoin. And so I want people, instead of having to waste their time and money and energy and maybe their reputation, right? Like, I think that that's part of why I felt maybe extra bad is because I spent my reputation promoting an altcoin project, which again, I really believed in at the time. Um, but 
here I am. I spent some of my, my cultural capital on this thing where I could have been spending that time and energy on Bitcoin. So instead of somebody having to go through that process themselves, let me just walk them through that process. And hopefully by the end of the book, without having bought a bunch of different altcoins, <laughs> you could have just spent $25 on my book. And then now you have all this information and you saved yourself a lot of money and frustration and all that kind of stuff. So that's the point of the book. And along the way, I think anybody that's a, just a true blue Bitcoin or somebody that says, well, I've always been in Bitcoin. You still need to understand altcoins because your friends are going to ask questions. Oh, why, why don't I move to XRP? Cause it's faster and it can do this and that, and it's green and it's all these types of things. We need to be able to articulate yes, why we don't totally. do those things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this, you, you've got, um, when somebody says, but why, why, uh, why don't I just buy this, um, altcoin it's a lot cheaper if you go back with an argument that is no more than nah it's rubbish you need to get bitcoin you've you've won no one over you've got to yeah. understand the fundamentals and some of the reasons and you know like you've just said that was so that was so profound how you move the market by just literally but you know doing what you did it's like well, i mean that's even shocked me it's like crikey so that just proves how a lot of these crap coins can move the market by i think it might be called wash trading i might be wrong yeah. but yeah you know, they're that's, buying that's and the selling term, yeah. their own coins and and moving it on you know and then of course their marketers say this is the coin you want look how this has jumped up and then people pile into it which takes it up even more then they dump it Everybody loses, they're left with the bags and, and they run off with the dosh. Um, I was going to say before we move on, I'm a bit like you in, in as much as I believe that Bitcoin is the one shot that humanity has got, uh, hard sound money that's uncorruptible and can't be manipulated, blah, blah, blah. But I think a lot of these people that, you know, put these projects together, I don't think a lot of them start out as scammers. I think a lot of them have got, you know, a real interest to try and produce something that has got use cases. But like you say, over time, all the use cases are going to be dumped into and on top of Bitcoin, aren't they? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, all, all what is it? What is it? Uh, good intentions are the path to hell or something like that. I mean, like we can have great intentions and still lead somebody off a cliff. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you want to have a positive outlook on altcoins as a Bitcoiner, I don't mean a positive outlook like yeah go buy altcoins but look at ethereum as as they're moving fast and they're breaking things they're having they, they've they've reversed their consensus before when there was the dow hack they literally went back ethereum cannot make the claim that their blockchain is immutable because they've actually gone back yeah. and changed their blockchain before right Absolutely. so these fundamental tenets of bitcoin don't exist with ethereum that's great though we want them to experiment because we don't want to put experimental stuff on the Bitcoin protocol. We don't want a, a BIP that puts something new and, and tricky on the Bitcoin protocol, because guess what? If there is a hack, if there is a, a need to reverse a block on the Bitcoin blockchain, and, and for some reason that was empowered to the miners and the, the node operators to be able to do that, that would be, that would- You just killed Bitcoin. You just killed Bitcoin. That, that's yeah. yeah that, so we don't want to move fast and break things on Bitcoin. We want to move slow and change the world with Bitcoin. Allow all that other experimentation to happen other places, and when it's matured, it will. It will come over to another layer of Bitcoin. So yeah, look at it as a as a, a multi billion dollar research and development arm that Bitcoiners don't have to pay for. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree. I mean, my analogies I use, tortoise and the hare is a good one. Um, pack yeah. horse versus a racehorse. Um, mm. You know, Bitcoin is slow and deliberate for a reason. And when I'm talking to somebody, I had a, a really good conversation yesterday with a, a an old colleague of mine I haven't seen for years he's now 84 and you know i started talking to him he said what are you doing and i told him he said we need to talk more i've got to understand you know more about this um but you know the, the point is if you can try and educate people ultimately and i always say on this show you're going to make your own decisions all i'm saying is for goodness sake do your research before mm. you go and put any money anywhere and try and get a basic understanding of why we say Bitcoin, not crypto. There is a reason. Each coin has got its own cult, culture, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the Bitcoin culture, the conversations that you uh, listen to and watch on YouTube, etc., uh, on, on spaces, wherever it might be, around Bitcoin, to me, is just pure common sense, not hype, not BS. You know, do you know what I mean? And, and everything just makes sense for a hard sound money for the world. There's nothing else out that can do that. Like you say, they've all got their weak points. They've all got their attack vectors. Um, they can all manipulate and do things with their chain that can mess around with your funds, your what your future wealth for your family, et cetera, et cetera. And that always just draws me right back to why I Bitcoin. Yeah. So tell me. Let's talk about Orange Pill app, because I only found out at the start of the show uh, that you are, you know, let me say it, I, I've gone and lost it. I'm an old boomer. You're a chief marketing officer at the Orange Pill app. All I knew, Brian, was um, Rocky reached out to me and said that, you know, I've connected with a guy called Brian on the Orange Pill app and he wouldn't mind coming on your show. And, you know, obviously I sent you a couple of emails. You're obviously very busy or you didn't get them. I'm not sure which. Rocky said, have you communicated? And I thought I'll go in through the Orange Pill app and connect with you that way. And we did. And here we are. So where did this come from? I mean, did did was Orange Pill an app that you decided to go and participate in? Did you set the app up? I mean, tell me. Yeah, great question. <clears throat> I assure you I wasn't trying to ignore you. I, the, I never saw those emails, but I they were in my spam folder. So okay. <laughs> sorry okay. you got blocked. But yeah, Orange Pill app's a great way to reach me. So it worked out. And, and thank you to Rocky. I know he's on the stream right now. He and I are actually grabbing lunch tomorrow. So we, I know. Uh, I saw that in we, the chat and I got really <laughs> hacked off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my, my friend has a, uh, a chain of these really nice, cool coffee shops here in, in Southern California. And so I'm going to take him over there and treat, treat him to lunch over there. It's it's expensive food. So I didn't want to ask Rocky to come all the way out here and then have him pay for the expensive Rocky, food. Rocky, he's so treating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm treating. He's paying for gas all the way out here. Yeah, he might be yeah. getting the raw end of the deal still. Anyways. Um, but it, yeah, so as far as Orange Pill app, um, I had – Orange Pill app launched in November. It's a really new app. It's growing like crazy, but Isn't I it? did not set it up. I was there at Pacific Bitcoin. They had a booth at Pacific Bitcoin the first yep. day that they launched. It, it, it launched, I think, the day one of Pacific, uh, Pacific Bitcoin. I yep. was uh, talking to Joe Hall from uh, – Telegraph, yeah, Joe yeah. Hall, yeah, this guy, yeah, I know, yeah, Joe, Joe Hall, yeah, great guy. Joe, Joe yeah, he is, Hall yeah. is he's yeah, so much guy. fun to talk to. Um, 
but I had communicated with him. He, he was an early reader of my book and gave me feedback and all, all sorts of great things. So I, I just was standing around talking to him at the, the conference and he pulls out a pack of orange Tic Tacs and he says, Hey, do you want a Tic Tac? It's one of the orange, <laughs> or do you want an orange pill? And it was just an orange Tic Tac and it was orange pill apps. Like that was what they were using for marketing yeah. um, at the conference. And so I went up to the booth. I'm like, I got to check this out. And so I'm standing at the booth talking to Mateo, the founder. And I'm just, wow, this is interesting. I instantly download the app. It's a, it's a paid app. Like, you, you know that, but just for the audience, there's a, there's a, a nominal fee. And I remember thinking, oh, like, that's interesting. A social, I'm call, I called it a social media at the time. It's not social media. It's a social network. And we can get into the difference of that. But <clears throat> it's a social media app you have to pay for. Oh, that's interesting. And I asked him, I was like, why, why, why do you have to pay for it? And Mateo just said, he goes, it's not a bug. It's a feature. The reason why there's a payroll is because you can spin you up 100,000 bot accounts. Well, yeah. You keep the scammers out. It's the only way you can do it because AI yeah. can solve captchkas and all that kind of stuff. Like you can't keep spammers out. And so instead of focusing on just quantity of users, they focused on quality of user. I'm like, ah, oh, that's an interesting approach. Okay. So I download the app and instantly, like, I don't think I've ever been in a social app where I know 100% that everybody on the app was Bitcoiners. I'm like, wow, they figured out a Love really it. interesting solution to this problem. Because my Twitter, <laughs> I say this joke all the time, so it's not original, but my Twitter is filled with beautiful Asian women asking me how my, my crypto trading is going, right? It's, ditto, it's just ditto. one of those, mm -hmm. it's so ridiculous. And, it, and, and it's like, why? why? Why does that exist? But it's so refreshing going into an app where there's just no spam. There's literally no spam. And everybody on there is 100% Bitcoiners. We even have people like Saifedean and Natalie Brunel that are in the app now. And what they've said to us, what they've reported back was, and, and the people told us, wow, they're really responsive. And I DM Natalie Brunel, she responds to me, but she doesn't respond on I was Twitter. To her the Why, other day. What's the difference? Yeah, I was talking to Were her really? the other day, yeah. There you go. And it's like, why, you know, I wonder why, and we were kind of asking her, cause I, you know, we have, uh, we, we communicate with her quite a bit through, you know, uh, voice calls and things like that. She's, she's, we're sponsoring an event for her at, at Bitcoin Miami. And, uh, she said it's because when she's in orange pill app, she knows that those are Bitcoiners. She knows yep. that those are serious people and she doesn't have to worry about the person on Twitter saying hello. And then you say, hi, how's it going? And they say, Oh, you look like a really intelligent investor. You know, like that that type of thing that we see every single time. So it just when you cut out the noise and you have the signal, it just creates an entirely different environment. I, I've I've never had a social media experience like that before. Even though Facebook didn't seem to have a ton of spammers on it, it still had some. So if anybody DM'd you out of nowhere on Facebook, you still wouldn't trust it. But with Orange Bull app, you're looking forward to those DMs from people that you don't know because you're making new Bitcoin connections. So yeah. that I, I caught all of that in that initial encounter. So I'm sitting there and Mateo's telling me all this kind of stuff. And in the middle of that conversation, I'm standing at his booth, Mateo's giving me his undivided attention. And all of a sudden he looks really distracted. I'm like, well, okay, apparently I'm old news. Like he's not really talking to me. He's like, I feel somebody yeah. brush up next to me. I said, somebody walks up and they kind of budge into our conversation. And Mateo looks like he's more focused on this guy. And like, so I'm trying not to be rude and make eye contact, but then this guy bumps into me and he's encroaching in our conversation. I look over and it's Michael Saylor, <laughs> Michael really? Saylor's standing there. And he, he, he like heard Mateo talking and he like budges into the conversation. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can't be too upset. Um, and so, yeah, we just, I got to sit there with Mateo, the founder of the app. And then I got to hear him give the pitch again to Michael Saylor about the app. And then sure enough, uh, he, Mateo has his orange bill app marketing girl there. 
And uh, she goes, hey, why don't you guys take a picture? And they had a they had a banner that said Orange Pill app. So him and Michael Saylor go walk over in front of the sign. I'm just kind of standing there. I'm like, I'm not going to get in their picture. And the marketing girl goes, hey, Brian, why don't you jump in there too? And I said, oh, sh- sure, of course. <laughs> of course I'm going to jump into this picture. So I'm six foot five. I've got a big old stupid head. And my head blocks the sign that says Orange Pill app. So Mateo gets this picture with Michael Saylor in front of his Orange Pill app banner. And it doesn't even say orange pill hat because my head's blocking it. Oh, so, no. so I, from that moment on, I felt like I owed Mateo. And so when he called me later and I'd been kind of tweeting about them and, and that sort of thing in the weeks after the, the conference, he said, you know, we've been getting a lot of signups from your tweets. He said, would you mind taking over our Twitter? And I said, I feel like I owe you. I will take over your Twitter for two weeks and I will try to get you as many signups as possible. I'm sorry. I, like, I'm glad you got a picture with Michael Saylor. I'm sorry, my stupid head blocked the thing that said the name of your company. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it all. He wasn't, he didn't even care about it, but I I felt bad. And so after taking over their Twitter for two weeks, and that was fun. That was a lot of fun. We did a lot of you know giveaways and contests and stuff like that. And uh, then he said, hey, do you want to come on the team? And uh, do you want to be the head of marketing? And I said, absolutely. I, I, I believe in this mission of what, what's going on. And there was a few things in that conversation too. Um, things on the roadmap that he really sold me on as far as the yep. long-term mission of why I thought we can get into that more, but like why I think Orange Pill app is actually a critical component for hyper-Bitcoinization and things like that. And so as soon as he told me about that, I was like, you know what, this is why I wrote Bitcoin Evangelism was to hopefully be one kind of chink in the chain, uh, link in the chain of of hyper-Bitcoinization. So being on Orange Pill app and, and that team, I think, can just hyperdrive that as well. There you go, people. Bitcoin evangelism should be on your screen now. Go out and buy it. I'm certainly going to get my copy. Um, devouring books at the moment. Um, so, look, we are crikey. Look at that. Ten to the hour already. Where does it go? I mean, that is why you could get into chatting with a Bitcoiner and you could lose an evening. You could lose till the small hours, couldn't you? Because there is just so much to to, to cover, to talk about, viewpoints, ideas, where's it going, etc. I want to start to pull it together, if I may, Brian, maybe we're going to have to do another one and flesh it out even more. But um, I guess what I want from you, from the audience, for for the audience, for remember, this started out as a, a channel called the Bitcoin for Beginners show. And then it migrated into the bullish Bitcoin channel, as it does four years now I've been doing this. Um, but my goal is with my type of content, as opposed to something like Swan with Preston and Andy Esdram or something like that, you know, which is heavy, um, is a newbie might find it. And, you know, it's digestible and it isn't too deep and it isn't too heavy. So what I like to pull the show together with um, for those newbies that might be finding this is we're right. We are, I believe we've hit the bottom. We are starting to creep up. Um, what are your views on the four year cycle, super cycle, etc.? I believe we're definitely going to see another four year cycle and maybe another one to 2028. And then I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody's got a crystal ball. What are your thoughts around it all? Because it certainly seems, if you zoom out and look at the charts, it seems like we're around mid-2015, 16 time in this cycle where it's a gradual grind upwards towards the halving and then a bit of a nothing burger for the halving and then six to nine months after all hell breaks loose. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah. I, I think that <clears throat> the psychology around the having is changing. I do believe in the four-year cycles. I think that there's going to be two things going on though. There's, there's the four-year cycle and there's Bitcoin adoption just happening. And so yes. whether you want to call Bitcoin adoption, institutional investing, if you want to call Bitcoin adoption, merchants accepting Bitcoin or countries or sovereigns accepting Bitcoin, then I think it's, it's an amalgamation. It's just a bunch of these different things together. It's an aggregation of these different things together. But the four-year cycle without all that hyper-Bitcoinization is still going to happen too. So you're having a pairing of these, these two really massive things happening. Um, but the psychology around the Bitcoin having is it's part of the mainstream narrative now. When you go on, and, and I think you've seen this because you've been through some bull runs and some bear markets and stuff before, but the mainstream talking heads, I don't watch a lot of them, but I do see plenty of clips from the you know highlights of the mainstream talking heads. And in the, in the previous bear markets, it was Bitcoin's going to zero, Bitcoin's done. This bear market, I don't think any serious or person that wants to be taken serious on mainstream media was saying Bitcoin's going to zero. I'm sure there was those people out there, but they were saying things like, oh yeah, Bitcoin, you know, it, it, it's down, it's getting crushed and it's, you know, it, 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 but it's, it's probably always going to be around. Like there's this inevitability of Bitcoin kind of baked into the narrative. So now yeah. people are talking about Bitcoin's not going to zero. I've seen in these last three cycles that it always goes up by some order of magnitude or more. And so that is going to be priced. And I think that the having is going to be front run a little bit more. Like you said, there's a slow grind up to the having. I think a few months out from the having, you're going to have some substantial buying. I actually think that's pr probably part of why we're seeing price increasing right now. We're a year out from the having and people, there's game theory happening. There's okay, we need to get in before the halving, but these guys are getting in before the halving. The price is already going up. Look at the halving cycles already happening. And so, yes, I think that we're going to see that pre-halving more than we saw it post-halving. Um, the reason why you see it six to nine months after the halving is that's when the scarcity is kicking in, right? That's when the, the, the reduced block rewards, it's just putting us less on the market. So I think we're going to have, we're still going to have that. We're going to have the pre-halving and then we're going to have this post-halving crazy boom because people have like, realize oh wow there actually is a drop in the supply of bitcoin so that would be think, my take on it yeah. i think the other thing to factor in you said there's a couple of things at play of course it could be another thing at play well it's actually part of what you said about the adoption because you know every source that i've learned from in the last six years that when i say i would trust it you know i would i would sort of think that that that's pretty sensible conversation you know talks about the first 10 years you'll get up to 10 percent adoption mm. and if you take the first four years out of bitcoin you know to let it gain some traction let it get some price discovery you know we're sort of almost 10 years in then if the second 10 years is the hockey stick 10 years where you then get a further 80 yeah. percent oh my goodness if they all converge and then bitcoin decouples and all hell breaks loose. Who wants to be out of the market if that thing starts to happen? And you know what? There's something burning a hole in me, Brian, that says at some point, not too far out in the near future, we are going to get some kind of significant event where it is going to tear people's faces off. I can't even quantify it. I can't even tell you what that looks like. It's an overwhelming feeling that I've got. Hmm. I, I agree. I think so. I think that, yeah, you're going to wake up one day and there's going to be a store. You're going to, you're going to check your phone and you check the price and like, why is Bitcoin up 40% today? And it's because there's going to be a story on Bitcoin magazine about some, some major event. And wow. I mean, and I think that that's, 
the biggest jumps are going to come from a new sovereign uh, buying it or a new major fund buying, you know, the first chunk of Bitcoin. I think that you'll, you'll see some stuff like that, but I think that's going to be paired. They're going to be doing that for a reason. I think that one thing <clears throat> or two things that are going to happen this year that we're are going to really, really be substantial movers in terms of the Bitcoin narrative, the Bitcoin price and all that kind of stuff. And it might be that the, the, the headline for that article is, it's two parts. There's hyper Bitcoinization on the, the the big company level, and there's hyper Bitcoinization on the, on the mom and pop company level. And here's what I mean by that. And this, this I'll, I'll bring it back to the orange pill app just for this final point. Uh, on this part, uh, Jack Mauler's strike. Yep. They announced last year that they're going to be in Walmart, and uh, that you're gonna, you're going to walk into Walmart. You're going to see pay with Bitcoin here. They, he said, "Oh, we jumped the gun. It wasn't ready 2022." but we're working on it. So I think that that's going to happen in 2023. You're going to walk into the world's biggest retailer at some point in 2023, and you're going to see Bitcoin accepted here. Whether everybody yeah. that goes to Walmart is, is buying with Bitcoin, <clears throat> that will be the greatest piece of marketing in the history of Bitcoin as far as legitimizing it, right? It's not some fund buying Bitcoin. Like that's always cool for Bitcoin price, but that's not people spending Bitcoin, right? Like part of, part of money is <clears throat> buying and holding money. But the biggest part of money we think about is spending money. So when you can go to a place that says, uh, you know, legitimized as a Walmart and it's across the yeah. world, right? It's going to change people's perception. You start of, a domino okay, effect, don't you? You start a domino start effect. A domino effect. And what a, what is Target going to do? What is what is what is other what are other retailers going to do when the game theory kicks in? Of why are they doing this? Oh wait because they do a billion dollars of sales per day and credit card companies charge them 3% and we can cut out merchant fees. And, and instead of waiting two days to settle money in our account, we can settle that money instantly. Like it's going to fundamentally change how money moves through the system. So that's the first part. The second part with Orange Pill app. Uh, so big businesses are going to be hyper Bitcoinized that way. When we have in a few months, we have our <clears throat> our orange pages rolling out. It's a partnership with BTC Maps. BTC Maps is an awesome company, but they yes, is, yeah. uh, they show you where you can spend Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and so they have the supply side of the equation, right? Like they have, here's where you can spend it, but they don't have the demand side. And that's why this partnership is such a beautiful symbiotic relationship because they have the supply, we have the demand. We have a, a an app full of Bitcoiners that are willing to pay for a social networking app. That means that these people are willing to spend and use their Bitcoin. So. I'm going to, as a marketing, we're going to have this massive marketing push to orange pill businesses. Imagine there's a donut shop on the corner and they're, they're not likely to, to, uh, accept Bitcoin or there's a, there's a nail salon on the other corner. That's not likely to accept Bitcoin. <clears throat> we can go in there and we can open the app and we can say, hello manager or hello shop owner. This app right here, I know you guys don't accept Bitcoin, but let me show you because I can show you people in your area. You have 40 Bitcoiners in your area that if you accept Bitcoin for pedicures today, these people are going to come in and they're going to buy a pedicure for themselves or for their wife. And they, 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 it's not that they're into those things. They, don't, they, they might not even care about your products or services in general, but because you're Bitcoin, Bitcoin somewhere. They just want to spend this and you will yeah. have 40 brand new customers. What speaks to a merchant, especially in these kind of like dry financial times for a lot of small businesses, than a new untapped market demographic 
And Bitcoiners are genuinely pretty wealthy people. So you want to tap into this demographic. And so in an afternoon, we'll be able to have a Bitcoin preferred sticker in those people's windows. And we're going to orange pill the nail salon on the corner that wouldn't have, they wouldn't have accepted Bitcoin for another 10 years until it was just absolutely everywhere. But instead of them being late adopters, we're going to allow them to be early ad adopters and we're going to say, instead of you having to wait two days to receive your money, you're going to get your money instantly. Yeah. Every box is going to be checked off for these merchants. And so we're going to be able to use Orange Pill app as a like really positive peer pressure to hyper Bitcoinize these companies. Um, it's just like email. People didn't learn about SMTP before they, they learned how to send an email. You just got people to send an email. You type this out and you hit send. Fantastic. Now you're an email adopter. Same thing with Bitcoin. We don't need to go into these shops and explain scarcity to these store managers. We don't need to go in and explain immutability to these store managers. We need to go in and say, here's a better way to accept money and yeah. here's a new pocket of customers. Do you want this? And so when Dra Jack Maulers and Strike are doing it that at the Walmart level and when Orange Pill App is doing that at the mom and pop level, in 2023, we're gonna see a complete transformation of people's, perception of Bitcoin. Right now it's a speculative asset and people, not, no coiners only know about the price of Bitcoin. But when it's treated as money, we can fundamentally change the narrative behind Bitcoin. So you pair all of that with the having, with scarcity being even more at the focal point and with the sovereign nation coming along and putting that in their treasury reserve and all these things that are stacking up. I think that's why you're getting that feeling stirring in your stomach of, this is inevitable and this is going to happen soon because I have now. that exact same feeling. I, I have that exact same feeling. <laughs> I've got it going on now. I'm I'm listening to you. I'm watching the chat. I'm, Stephen Redding is saying that, you know, all the taxi drivers take it out in Florence in Italy. You know, we went to a music gig for a Bitcoiner um, who I had on my show recently, a young lad called Joe, and we went and supported him at a gig. And um, we, we met up with a guy there that comes from the town where I grew up and, and him and his uh, crew, you know, they're, they're orange pilling businesses, pubs, etc. And he was saying that the main pub in, in the sort of village where, you know, he comes from, I used to live. He said, I think they're, that they, when, because they're now accepting SATs, their volume is up something like 40%. I, I can't remember exactly, but it's way up because Bitcoiners are coming in and wanting to buy things with Bitcoin. And there's something interesting. Ken B said in the chat, why would I spend my SATs? Um, if I can answer that, Ken, I would say we should have two chunks of money we should have our wealth that we should be stacking on and we should have our let's call it a checking account money which are the sats that we maybe go out to di buy dinner or get a flight or something like that because not only uh, and brian tell me if i'm right or wrong here or your views but not only should we all be stacking for wealth creation for you know the the the, the big redistributing of wealth as the old boomers die not me yet hopefully um but we should also be helping to create a circular economy and the way that i see it is if you can imagine take a zoomed out look at the world all across the world you've got these tiny little circles that are pockets of um what i call circular economies you know straight away you think of el salvador guatemala mm -hmm. etc but they're happening in london they're happening across the us and bit by bit those tiny little circles are going to spread wider and wider 
and then eventually the whole world will encompass people buying and selling goods with Bitcoin. That's a process, and it's going to happen over time. We're going to an event here in July. I'm the MC for that event. I'm proud to say for the second year running. But it is basically an adventure park. We've got a Bitcoin event there, and the whole everything in the park can you can spend Bitcoin. You can spend your sats and buy food beer, you know, rides, whatever you want to do. Plus, we've got speakers coming in. And it's exciting. I, you know, I, I, I believe that I would never, ever, ever sell a sat. But if you've got a moon wallet and you've got a couple hundred quid on it, you know, in, in Bitcoin, you know, or a you know, couple hundred thousand sats, couple of million sats, whatever it is, try going and scanning the POS device and paying for your beer or your food with Bitcoin. And there's Absolutely. something weird goes on. When it goes ping and it's paid, you think, oh, my God. God, I've been in Bitcoin six years and this flipping works. So <laughs> what, what are your views around all of that? Because that excites me. A hundred percent. If you if you haven't experienced this yet, just go out and send a lightning transaction. Yes. Like use this stuff. Because if we say it's scary, like, like good money, then we, it, you got to make sure it works, right? You can't be stacking sats on something we don't know. So, um, but I would say that the, the thing about it like this, you're, you're, Maybe you're thinking about being an entrepreneur and somebody, a skeptic on the outside would say, you, you have $10,000. Why would you take that $10,000 that you can go buy all sorts of cool stuff with? And why would you invest it in a business? You would invest it in the business because if you have something that's potentially of more value, it costs a little bit of money now and it's going to be more valuable later. You invest in that business. And that's what, what a we're great doing as, as, as spenders of sats. We're investing in that. Exactly. I said that too. Circular economy. You, you have to participate in the circuit. You don't have to participate. That's the cool thing about Bitcoin. You can do whatever you want. You can be a hermit and you can, you can stack your Bitcoin and, and, and keep it, but you can also decide to hyperdrive this hyper Bitcoinization. Let's start to spend those sats. <clears throat> I say all the time, I, I give out sats. If, if anybody follows me on Twitter, I give out 10,000 sats or so per day and just say, hey, retweet this post and somebody's going to get paid, you know, put a lightning invoice in the comments and I'll pay you 10,000 sats. I love yeah. sending sats across the world because it's just fun to use lightning and it's fun to get people because people will download a lightning wallet and then you have new lightning adopters every day. I feel like I'm doing this Bitcoin evangelism thing and 10,000 sats cost me about $3 US right now. I think it's a worthwhile investment to make new Bitcoiners or at least new lightning adopters every day. And then the last thing I'll say on that is people ask me, why do you give out sats every day? And uh, you know, if I don't have enough time to answer that whole thing right there, I'll say, I want to have my Bitcoin pizza moment. I want to have Bitcoin pizza regrets like Laszlo did. Like if anybody, and, and, if you haven't heard the whole Bitcoin pizza story, everybody knows the Bitcoin pizza story yeah. in general, right? A guy buy, buys two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It would be worth hundreds of millions of dollars now. Uh, he re he must regret himself. I wonder if he's suicidal. Go listen to an interview with him. He's not. Yes, not at all. He no. actually knew exactly what he was doing. And of all things, if you go and watch Gary Gensler, and I kid you not, Gary Gensler's MIT lectures on Bitcoin. So the SEC chairman right now, watched it. you watch it. It is very, like he actually understands Bitcoin very well yeah. on very many levels. There's things mm -hmm. he, he doesn't get right, but he understands the Bitcoin pizza story. When Gary Gensler tells the Bitcoin pizza story, he nails it. He talks about how on the internet, there is, there's an air 404 page, like, you know, 404 page not found. There's also a 405, I believe that says payment not found. The early internet protocol expected a payment layer to the internet. 
and it didn't exist. The first transaction recorded on the internet, so going back to the you know, 1989, 1990, was a pizza. Somebody ordered a pizza, but you had to you know order it, they showed up with the pizza, and then you paid in cash. And so Laszlo, with the Bitcoin pizza thing, he was actually intentional. He said, the first transaction on the internet was for a pizza, I'm gonna make the first payment on the internet for a pizza as well. And people ask him, well, don't you regret spending those stats? And he goes, no, because the first transaction on Bitcoin needed to happen. It yeah. had to happen. And yeah. so Bitcoin, and I think he was being asked this when Bitcoin was at $20,000, like, aren't you regretting? No, Bitcoin wouldn't get to $20,000 unless somebody did what I did. Yes. So if you want Bitcoin to get to, we don't talk about price all that much, but if you want it to get to $1 million, you got to have your Bitcoin pizza moments of, yeah, I like to say of regret. I'm not going to regret it at all when Bitcoin's at a million dollars, but I, you know, you, you'll always be able to look back and say, oh, I spent millions of sats. Look how much those are worth. No, those were investing in the protocol. Those were investing in the circular economy. And so when you look at it like that, it really aligns everybody's incentives in the Bitcoin space to say, wow, this, this actually makes a lot of sense and I can contribute to it today. Well, I remember um, last year's Bitcoin adventure, and it was the first time I parted with a sat. I, I literally, my brain was, I'm not going to sell a single sat. I'm going to stack, 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 and I'm going to leave every single sat for my kids. And I had this money on a moon wallet, and they were saying, you know, go and get your beer on, you know, with sats. And I was, I mean, I was having an internal battle. I'll be honest with you. Um, and then I did, and I thought to myself, you you can't worry about okay notwithstanding of course if you are just starting out on your bitcoin journey here's the disclaimer and and every sat's important to you then you know don't spend your sats i get that i respect that but you know at some point try it out with a lightning wallet you know it cost me i think 12000 sats for a beer okay and you know i might look at that if I, in the future i might go back and look at that and think oh my lord that beer cost me like 150 quid like so what you know i wanted to experience buying something and paying in bitcoin because here's what i get a lot brian i get a lot of people and family members too so they say oh well it's okay having all that bitcoin but how do you know you can spend it yeah. do you know what i mean exactly. it's like and then if you try to say well let me explain again no 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 you can either spend it or you can't i don't want all the i don't want all the blurb you know, and you think, oh, what's the point? You know, if you, as Satoshi said, if you ain't got time to learn about it, I ain't got time to teach you. <laughs> and I really haven't. Having said that, my God, we're over over the hour by 10 minutes. Listen, we could go on and on and on. Brian, yeah. I really want to thank you for coming on. I loved this conversation. And I think we should do it again in maybe six months or so. I say that Absolutely. to all the people that come on the, the on the show. And then, of course, time runs away and you get somebody back on and it's like over a year. And Forgive me, but, you know, it's been absolutely superb. Now, in the show notes, I've got linked to your Twitter. And um, I don't think I put your Nostra in there. But do you want to hand off where the audience can find you, your work? Obviously, if I click this button right now, that brings your book back up on, um, on Amazon. Go and check it out, people. But anything you want to hand off with, Brian? Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, thank you for for highlighting the book. Um, yeah, if if you go on Amazon, it, the the book's available on there. Um, if you're going to Rocky's Bitcoin meetup in SoCal anytime soon, I'm actually dropping him off a few copies. So if you show up to the meetup in SoCal, uh, that's not he's fair. Gonna give I'm you, in the UK. He's going to give you a copy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but 
you know what? We get, we got to show some love to those people that are willing to get out there sure. in person. So yeah, yeah. I got to, got to hook them up, but yes, thank you. Thank you for the shout out. Buy the, buy the book for your friend. It'll be, I, I promise you, it's the easiest Bitcoin read that you will, that you will find. It's not written at a college level academic. I, you can tell I'm kind of like a caveman trying to explain something complicated to another caveman. I'm not Mr. Sophistication, Join the club. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it gets the message across. I've had people say, you know, hey, I've read the Bitcoin standard. I've read these other books, but this one I, I, I could, I could grasp. I say, it's like Bitcoin for dummies and the Bitcoin standard had a baby and you know, here's what, here's what came out. Um, so yeah, uh, on Noster, I'm just at Brian on Noster. I'm on Orange Pill app. Um, yeah, please, please reach out. And I had to say something on that, your, your, your comment about the 12,000 beer. I think it's really cool. We are the first generation ever, whether we're boomers, millennials or whatever, we're the first generation ever that will get to change the stories about what money used to mean. So when I when think about think about grandpa, grandpa used to say I used to be able to buy a soda for a nickel. Dad used to say I used to be able to buy a soda for a quarter or however much however much money. We're going to be the first generation that said I used to it used to cost me so so much less in sats than it does today, right? Like our kids are gonna see the opposite. Wow, grandpa used to be able to buy an entire beer or it used to cost, excuse me, it used to cost him 12,000 sats for an entire beer. And yeah. now today it costs us a thousand sats. It's the exact opposite. So we get to be the first the first generation that that does that, that, that gets to say this thing. Now, every generation after we'll get to have that same story, but we're literally at this 80 BC moment where our parents and our forefathers had a different story than we did. So. All that to say, that's that, that's the note I want to leave it on. Just a really optimistic note. And yeah, please reach out to me. Like I said, I do Twitter giveaways for sats. If you like stacking sats and you just want to hold them, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I'll give there you, you some There you go, sats. people. There you go. If you want to earn some sats, you need to get over to Brian's Twitter. I'll tell you what I, I say before we end the show. I always take a zoom out, a macro view of this. And I think that those of us that are in Bitcoin today will be revered in the future. You know, many of us will go down in the history books as, as those crazy people that everybody thought were mad. And now look where we're at with Bitcoin. And, you know, I just I just want to play my part in that, which is why I do what I do. Brian, it's been an absolute delight. Can I ask you to stay in my green room for a second? Um, I'm just going to finish off the show as I always do. And then you and I have a quick debrief. But people, follow him. Um, it's been a fantastic one. Thank you, Brian. Um, I'm going to just finish up the show as I always do. I love quotes. Casso again in the chat. Thank you for this one. I found this one from you, Casso. Uh, Ignorance is the root cause of all evil. Since only knowledge eradicates ignorance, it is our duty and moral obligation to educate ourselves as well as the masses around us. Lovely, lovely quote, Casso. Superb. Uh, People, that is your UK Bitcoin Master live show for today, the 20th of April, 2023. These days will go down in history in 100 years from now. Um, Thank you all for joining. Please share this out. Please go and follow Brian on Twitter, Noster. Get on the Orange Pill app. Yes, it's going to cost you 20 quid a year or two pounds 99 a month if you're in the UK. I've gone for a year, but once I'm comfortable and happy, I'll do the lifetime uh, subscription to it. Check it out because you can connect with Bitcoiners. And I had one guy reach out to me the other day. And whilst being mindful of my OPSEC, you know, 
it turns out we're just maybe 10 miles apart. So you never know who you're going to connect with. And on the opposite end of the scale, I get Rocky Palumbo saying to me, oh, according to this, we're 4,500 miles apart. So join us on the Orange Pill app. It will be great to see you there. That is it. I'll be back on Monday, 6 p.m. London with a regular show with some news and some great tweets that are going on. But for now, if you're on the podcast, please share me where you're listening. Um, If you are on YouTube, then click on the squares that normally come up somewhere over here after 24 hours. Um, This goes out on BitChute. It goes out on uh, Rumble. Crikey, loads of platforms. Uh, Wherever you're following me, give us a thumbs up. I'd appreciate it. That is it. I'm out of here. I'm going to leave you, as I always do, with my social media links. Um, I'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, you all. And Brian DeMint, thank you once again for being my guest. I'm out of here.